Tonight on NJ Spotlight News. Breaking news, Senator Bob Menendez back in court and pleads not guilty to the latest indictment charging that he illegally acted as a foreign agent for Egypt. They've crossed the Rubicon into something new, even for the Department of Justice. They've never charged any member of Congress that I'm aware of with acting as an agent of a foreign principal. Also taking on RWJ, Senator Bernie Sanders will storm the state for a health care field hearing tackling labor disputes. 1,700 striking nurses remain on the picket line. It's really incredibly courageous for them to stand up, go out on strike, not something that's easy, in order to defend the rights of their patients to get quality health care. Plus, free, free Palestine! Thousands rally in Patterson demanding a ceasefire while attacks in Gaza intensify, killing hundreds overnight. And a free mobile mammogram van hits the road in South Jersey offering cancer screenings for uninsured women. I think we traditionally always expect people to leave their communities of comfort to go to a building to get care, but now we're bringing the care to the people. NJ Spotlight News begins right now. Funding for NJ Spotlight News is provided by NJM Insurance Group, serving the insurance needs of residents and businesses for more than 100 years. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association, and by the PSEG Foundation. From NJPBS, this is NJ Spotlight News with Brianna Venozzi. Good evening and thanks for joining us this Monday night. I'm Brianna Venozzi. We begin with breaking news. Senator Bob Menendez maintains his innocence. Returning to a Manhattan court today, pleading not guilty to allegations that he acted as a foreign agent to Egypt. Prosecutors accuse New Jersey's senior senator, along with his wife and a third defendant, of conspiring to aid the Egyptian government in exchange for bribes, alleging Menendez provided sensitive U.S. government information and took part in a corrupt agreement to help Egyptian military officials. The new charge comes a month after Menendez and his wife pleaded not guilty to federal corruption charges, accusing them of taking hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash in return for the use of the high-ranking senator's influence to enrich three New Jersey businessmen and the government of Egypt. Senior correspondent Brenda Flanagan is outside the courthouse where Senator Menendez was arraigned and has the latest. Brenda. Brianna, we spent about three minutes all told at this arraignment for Senator Bob Menendez. He pleaded not guilty in a very strong voice to this latest charge of the superseding indictment. Now, his co-defendants, including his wife Nadine, pleaded not guilty last week. The senator had asked that his arraignment be postponed to today because of his duties with the Senate in Washington. Federal law forbids elected officials, like a U.S. senator, from serving as a foreign agent. But the indictment charges Menendez met with Egyptian officials who wanted his help to restore the flow of military aid to Egypt that had been blocked by Congress. The Egyptians allegedly texted a tempting offer. If Menendez helped resolve the matter, he will sit very comfortably. To which co-defendant Wal Hanna replied, orders, consider it done. They've crossed the Rubicon into something new 
even for the Department of Justice. They've never charged any member of Congress that I'm aware of with acting as an agent of a foreign principal. It's not a slam dunk prosecution, according to law professor Stanley Brand, even though Menendez then sat as chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Prosecutors allege he further promised to take and took a series of acts on behalf of Egypt, including on behalf of Egyptian military and intelligence officials. But Brand says the feds have to prove Menendez did something criminal, that he exerted so much official pressure, it qualifies as a formal exercise of governmental power, standards set by the U.S. Supreme Court. The difficulty for me, for the government, is untangling what he may have done officially and legitimately from what is alleged here to be uh, criminal activity. Um, you know, lurking in this case is the is the infamous speech or debate clause, which is the legislative immunity for members for performing legitimate legislative acts, of which several are. I believe, intertwined in these charges, including things he did with respect to military aid for Egypt. Menendez stepped down as chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee last month after corruption charges accused him and his wife of conspiring to take bribes, including cash, gold bars, and a Mercedes-Benz, in return for the senator's influence. And he did not attend a classified Senate security briefing on Israel last week after some colleagues questioned whether he's a risk to national security. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says he's had discussions with Menendez. Look, I've known Senator Menendez Menendez a very long time, and it was truly, truly upsetting. But we all know that senators, for senators, there's a much, much higher standard. And clearly, when you read the indictment, Senator Menendez fell way, way below that standard. Menendez has vowed to fight the charges, and he refused to resign, stating defiantly, I have been throughout my life loyal to only one country, the United States of America. But more than half of the Democratic caucus, including New Jersey colleague Senator Cory Booker, have urged the beleaguered senator to give up his seat, and some, frankly, want him expelled. Now, Judge Sidney Stein did not change the terms of the senator's release. He's posted a $100,000 bond, and he surrendered his personal passport, although he is allowed to travel on official business with the permission of the court. The judge also said that this trial is going to start May 6th, and he warned that he, if there are any changes in the attorneys, he wants to hear about it ahead of time. Now, interestingly, this trial date is less than a month before the New Jersey Senate primary, which is already a attracting several different candidates and promises to be a very interesting race. I'm Brenda Flanagan reporting from Federal Courthouse in Lower Manhattan. Back to you, Brie. Thank you, Brenda. Well, still no progress on the RWJ University Hospital nurses strike after more than 10 hours of negotiations last night. Union leaders for the 1,700 striking nurses say they were at the bargaining table until 2 a.m. with hospital officials and a federal mediator, marking day 80 since the workers walked off the job August 4th, demanding better pay and mandatory nurse-to-patient staffing ratios. Both management and the nurses' union say they didn't think the work stoppage would get this contentious. The hospital has agreed to salary increases, but repeatedly insists it has some of the best staffing ratios statewide. 
As the strike continues, nurses remain on the picket line with no pay or health benefits, drawing national support from Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, who's called for a field hearing this Friday, October 27th, in New Brunswick of the Senate Health, Education, Labor and Pensions Committee. Sanders says he's investigating this strike as part of a rising tide of labor actions in the health care industry, and he joins me now. Senator Sanders, thank you for joining me. You've been involved in labor disputes nationally, some much larger, others smaller. Why come to New Jersey and bring your Senate committee here for a field hearing? Well, I will tell you why, and that is because what's going on in Robert Woods Johnson is not just the New Jersey issue. It, in fact, is a national issue, and we've got to get to the root cause of it. We have a major crisis in this country in terms of healthcare workforce. We don't have enough doctors, we don't have enough mental health specialists, we don't have enough dentists, and the crisis is especially acute for nurses. We have a major, major nursing shortage. So we need to bring more young nurses into the profession, but we need to retain the nurses that we have. Unfortunately, nurses are leaving the profession in droves because of poor working conditions. I have talked to the nurses at Robert Wood Johnson, and what they tell me is they love their jobs. They want to take good care of their patients, but they're unable to do so because they just lack the staffing to provide the proper care. So what's going on in RWJ is an issue for the whole country. It's something the committee has got to explore. You've invited leadership from Robert Wood Johnson to attend the hearing. Do you expect them to show up and to be able to get to some of these root issues? My understanding is that uh, Mr. Manigan will be there. That is my understanding, and I'm very appreciative of that. Uh, one of the issues, one of the questions that I will ask him is not just that a couple of years ago they could afford at Barnabas to provide a CEO with $17 million in salary, but they are now spending, as I understand it, $87 million in a few-month period on traveling nurses. So they're bringing in nurses from all over, at great expense, and yet they have not yet been able to reach an agreement with their local nurses uh, for decent nurse-patient ratio. So that's an issue I think we want to explore. Yeah, it's the pay and the, the safe patient ratios. But will these labor disputes, Senator, not keep happening again and again if the very just structure of the U.S. healthcare system isn't addressed? I mean, we have this fee-for-service model where essentially it's much more profitable for these hospitals to hire physicians than it is to hire nurses. Uh, look, you're touching on a, an issue dear to my heart. So let me just say this. In my view, the current American healthcare system is broken. It is dysfunctional. We are spending twice as much per capita on healthcare, $13,000 for every man, woman, and child. We're spending twice as much as any other country on earth and yet we have 87 million uninsured, underinsured. We pay the highest prices in the world for prescription drugs, and we have a major workforce crisis. So if your question is, do we need fundamental reforms of the American healthcare system so that it is not designed simply to make huge profits for the insurance companies and the drug companies and the hospitals? Yes, we do. Should this be left, though, to federal mediators? There's been criticism, I don't have to tell you, from your own colleagues about perhaps uh, exerting your influence as chairman of this committee to get involved in what is essentially a private labor dispute. No, this is not a private labor dispute. 
This is a national issue. We have a nursing crisis all over America. We are losing nurses because these nurses are dedicated. They want to do their jobs. They want to take care of their patients. They're unable to do so. We've got to get a handle on it. And right now at RWJ, you have 1,700 nurses. Some of them have worked there for years. Tears in their eyes when they talk to me about wanting to do their job well, unable to do so. So this is a national issue, and I it's taking place right now uh, in New Brunswick, but it is an issue that we have got to deal with. That makes me think of what recently happened with uh, the Kaiser healthcare workers. That's we're talking, you know, thousands more, eighty-five thousand workers, but. Do you draw those similarities? That was a three-day strike. These nurses are going on nearly three months now um, without health care as well. Um, as you say, which speaks to a much larger crisis in the country. Look, all over this country, uh, you have workers who are tired of corporate greed. They're tired of the people on top becoming much richer while they are falling further and further behind. What makes What's going on in New Brunswick right now, particularly interesting, is what the nurses are fighting for is the right to do their jobs well. It breaks their hearts. I'm, I mean, I've seen tears in their eyes when they talk about not being able to take care of their patients the way they were trained to do and the way they want to do. And I think it's really incredibly courageous for them to stand up, go out on strike, not something that's easy, in order to defend the rights of their patients to get quality health care. Before I let you go very quickly, uh, I know you have called on uh, your colleague, Senator Bob Menendez, to resign, and you have said publicly that a Senate Ethics uh, Committee investigation should ensue if he does not. Will you pursue that? It does not look like he is stepping down. Well, again, we'll take one step at a time. I have respect for Senator Menendez, but I think under the current situation, he should resign. Senator Bernie Sanders, thank you so much for your time, sir. Thank you very much. Thousands of New Jerseyans took to the streets for a rally in Patterson's Little Ramallah this weekend, calling for an immediate end to the deadly war in the Middle East. The young and old carrying flags and signs, wearing the traditional Palestinian keffiyeh, black and white checkered scarves. Protesters demanded a ceasefire in the short term, but also the liberation of the Gaza Strip and West Bank from Israeli occupation, and called out Democrats, Senator Cory Booker and Congressman Bill Pascrell, for their staunch support of Israel, vowing to withhold votes in their next election. Israel's military overnight ramped up aerial attacks and fired on 320 Hamas targets over the last 24 hours. In a video statement released today, Israel's defense minister said they're preparing to hit the terrorist group from the air, ground and sea. President Biden is trying to delay a ground attack in hopes of getting more hostages out and aid into Gaza, with at least 10 Americans still unaccounted for and a dire situation for those inside. Reports say more civilians are dying from lack of food, water and medicine. 20 trucks carrying humanitarian aid past the Rafah crossing into Gaza today as this conflict enters its 17th day. More than 5,000 Palestinians have been killed. More than half are women and children, according to Palestinian officials. While the death toll for Israelis after the October 7th attacks by Hamas stands at 1,400 people. 
In our Spotlight on Business report tonight, as offshore wind loses public favor, another controversial green energy source is gaining steam. Nuclear and hydrogen power were the topic today at a public forum in South Jersey as key parts of achieving zero emissions goals both here in the state and nationwide. But climate advocates are outraged, warning that fossil fuels will have to be burned in order to create that clean hydrogen. Ted Goldberg reports. How are we going to produce enough energy in a clean fashion that meets the rest of our goals that's going to continue to support our life? A tricky question that leaders and business people tried to address today at Rowan University. New BPU President Christine Gould-Sadovi says New Jersey is well on its way to replacing fossil fuels with renewables. We have an ambitious but achievable goal of 100% clean energy by 2035. And <laughs> And we're on our way. There's always that old joke that, you know, hydrogen was the fuel of the future and always will be. That future's now. A multi-billion dollar investment in hydrogen could push South Jersey to the forefront of energy production in the so-called fuel of the future over the course of the next decade. President Joe Biden announced the $7 billion hydrogen hub project a couple of weeks ago. And a mid-Atlantic hub could bring $750 million to South Jersey over the next nine years to make hydrogen development affordable and sustainable. Our goal is to get to a place where you know, a kilogram of hydrogen, of green hydrogen is less um, than the cost of diesel. We must be mindful that the cost of hydrogen development right now can be prohibitive. But that's why this investment from the Biden administration in the hydrogen hub is so critical for New Jersey. Leaders hope that investment pays off in more renewable energy and a reinvigorated South Jersey. This was like one of the biggest places to make things again. And so one of my goals through all this is having, you know, kind of cleaner fuels that reduce our emissions, achieve our climate goals, but also in a way that makes this region more competitive economically. We estimate it's going to be about 13 to 14,000 construction jobs just to get the system in place across the three states. And obviously a ton of those would be right here. Environmental advocates aren't as bullish on hydrogen. There's concern about the fossil fuels needed to create some forms of energy from hydrogen. We need to make sure we're making it in the right way, which means it's based on renewables. We have to be careful we're not fracking more gas in Pennsylvania. Really disappointed in Rowan. Um, I really showed a lack of uh, academic integrity because this was just a PR show for false climate solutions. Some environmentalists say politicians should do more to expand solar and wind power, which the DEP says provides New Jersey with about 8% of the electricity needed statewide. Others say it's too soon to eliminate sources like nuclear, which give New Jersey 41% of its juice. It's impossible to burn all this stuff without there being co-pollutants. Um, and when you're emitting NOx and particulates and heavy metals, um, that's not clean. Solar and wind is not going to satisfy that in the near term. So you need a base load of power. So the, I mean, the understanding that nuclear is going to be the only way to achieve that is one perspective. DEP Deputy Commissioner Sean Moriarty says people in New Jersey generally agree with the state going green. It's the specifics that pose problems. Whether the offshore wind farms are going to be, if you're going to see them from your, from your, your house, or whether you know, the, the new infrastructure that's necessary to support hydrogen or ammonia, or whatever the new kind of emerging technology is, like how that's going to affect my day to day. I want to know what wealthy uh, white community in New Jersey is going to accept the production uh, and the combustion of these um, chemicals in their neighborhood. Hydrogen power could also use existing infrastructure in New Jersey. Old refineries and unused facilities could get new life with a new source of energy. At Rowan University, I'm Ted Goldberg.
NJ Spotlight News. Spirit Airlines is still recovering from massive flight disruptions this weekend. The budget air carrier canceled more than 185 flights Friday through Sunday to conduct mandatory inspections on 25 of its jetliners. Spirit gave little information on why or how the planes are being inspected, saying only in a statement that it was necessary out of an abundance of caution. The Florida-based air carrier apologized to travelers, saying the work will affect customers for several days. Many of those passengers posted their frustrations this weekend on social media as they slept at airports and missed their travel plans. But this isn't the first time Spirit customers have faced major disruptions. According to the Associated Press, the airline canceled more than 3,600 flights total this year. On Wall Street, stocks opened lower today as investors increasingly accept higher interest rates are here to stay for a while. Here's today's closing trading numbers. South Jersey's largest health system is offering free mammograms and cancer screenings for women in the state. Part of Virtua Health's annual outreach during Breast Cancer Awareness Month. This time, though, the hospital is using its 40-foot mobile health van to make the appointments more convenient and break down barriers preventing women from getting the services they need. As senior correspondent Joanna Gagas reports, the clinic is available for those with insurance and those without. I think mobile programming is the new future. I think we traditionally always expect people to leave their communities of comfort, to go to a building to get care, but now we're bringing the care to the people. That care looks like this Virtua truck that contains a doctor's office inside and is parked today outside of Tabernacle Baptist Church in Burlington. Congregation members are getting free breast cancer screenings here. Every woman should get a mammogram when they're supposed to because breast cancer is really serious. There's something we need to do. Some women wait to the last minute and it's too late, so you should be on top of it. Church members like Leitoski Booth, who says she never misses a screening. I work here at Tabernacle. That's why it was really convenient for me to have it here. And Eliana Cardoso, who's not insured and couldn't otherwise get a mammogram or pap smear or any of the other screenings offered by Virtua's mobile unit. It's easy come here. I did free. I have a lot of people come together, my friends. It's a, so nice. Virtua says the program is part of their community focus on health care. They understand the importance of offering as many screenings and connections to care as possible in the first visit, knowing that's when you have the greatest opportunity to reach a person, says Lisa Rosenberry. So if a patient were to come to us, they could get a clinical breast exam they would get a pap smear. We have a nurse practitioner that works specifically for this program, so they wouldn't have to come with a uh, prescription. And then we do the mammogram. We screen for colorectal uh, screening, whether we refer to a GI consultant or they leave with a fit card. Um, that way, all their cancer screenings are done. The importance of screenings for black women are even greater as mortality rates are 41% higher than any other race, says Rutgers oncologist Dr. Coral. Amene. Black women have a higher mortality rate than white women and also higher mortality rate than other racial and ethnic groups. Once a year that all women should be getting 
the standard of care breast imaging screening for their breasts, which includes mammograms and can include ultrasounds and MRIs as well, especially for those who are at high risk to get breast cancer and who may have dense breasts for which that is also uh, recommended for uh, improved screening. So definitely by the age of 40, begin to have your annual breast mammograms. Jeannie Richardson knows that access is a challenge for many in her community, which is why she partnered with Virtua today to bring the screenings to the congregation. A lot of people that are uninsured don't even go to a doctor. Uh, and especially for mammograms or anything like that, they can't afford it. So coming here with Virtua, uh, it was just a godsend to have this available to them. This truck is out every Monday through Thursday. You do need an appointment to be seen here. You can do that by visiting virtua.org forward slash mobile screening. In fact, get a group of friends and make an appointment for all of you to be seen. In Burlington, I'm Joanna Gagas and Jay Spotlight News. And before we leave you tonight, New Jersey hit a major milestone this weekend, 10 years of marriage equality. October 21st marked the decade anniversary of the landmark ruling legalizing same-sex marriage in the Garden State, when former Mercer County assignment judge Mary Jacobson officially ruled New Jersey's marriage laws violated the rights of same-sex couples and changed forever the lives of many LGBTQ plus couples and their families. According to Garden State Equality, the decision also became a widely cited fixture in New Jersey law for reasons beyond marriage. And in January 2022, Governor Murphy took the measure a step further, signing legislation to enshrine the decision recognizing marriage equality into state law so that same-sex marriage will continue to exist here even if the state and federal court cases are overturned. That's going to do it for us tonight, but don't forget to download the NJ Spotlight News podcast so you can listen anytime. I'm Brianna Venozzi. For the entire NJ Spotlight News team, thanks for being with us. Have a great evening. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. The members of the New Jersey Education Association, making public schools great for every child. RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together and Orsted, committed to the creation of a new, long-term, sustainable, clean energy future for New Jersey. NJM Insurance Group has been part of New Jersey for over a century. We support our communities through NJM's corporate giving program, supporting arts and culture-related and nonprofit organizations that serve to improve the lives of children, rebuild communities, and help to create a new generation of safe drivers. We're proud to be part of New Jersey. NJM, we've got New Jersey covered.